Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 31 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. Episode 31. That's exciting. I'm super thrilled to be with you here today. I've been really topsy-turvy over the last few days, more so than usual. I'm fairly up and down as a person, you know, go through really quite high emotional highs, emotional lows. Um, And it's just the way that I've always been and have learned to recognize what's going on and start to just do a little bit more self-care or, you know, just, yeah, it's taken me a while, but I can recognize what it is that I need um, and then try to do what I need to do to, yeah, give myself that, which has always been really, really interesting. And it's funny when certain things happen and I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is what's going on and then that happens Um, And I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew, I knew. We've come off a really topsy-turvy couple of weeks. Um, My son, who's three and a half, has been to emergency three times, um, which has been terrifying and uh, overwhelming. And, you know, he's he's on the mend. He's okay. He just had severe croup, um, which I didn't even know was a thing until my son had it. (laughs) Um, But I just cannot quite believe the care that we had um, from the nursing staff and from the doctors and everybody in emergency and then in the you know children's ward and everyone was just unbelievably nice and accommodating and it makes me really emotional Um, they were absolutely brilliant and I can't thank any emergency services or hospital staff Um, I can't thank you enough for the amount of not only attention but care and concern that you show. Um, you know, one of the nurses was saying that, you know, there's a desensitization to what happens for them, you know, that it's normal to see children um, in there and quite sick or to see patients that are very, very unwell. And so there is this sort of desensitization that happens because I offered my services basically. I said I wanted to go and do some work for free to help them, you know, reconcile um, emotions and communication and things like that. Um, and that's how the conversation kicked off. And, yeah, it just – even though they have that that desensitization, which is what enables them to perform and to actually do their role, fulfill their duty, um, yeah, the amount of just humanness and care for not only my son but for me – Um, was very touching so if you work in the medical industry um, such a heartfelt thank you for what you do and what you yeah the role that you play um, in people's health and well-being Um, it's it's truly inspiring and amazing so yes very very grateful Today we're talking about self-discipline, linking it with our self-worth. So something that keeps coming up for me more and more lately is how linked those two are. And for those of you hearing this for the first time, just give it a second to sink in. Our self-discipline with our self-worth. Okay, just process that. 
consider the possibility that maybe, maybe that's true. For those of you who are fairly self-motivated and disciplined um, and can do things that you say you're going to do, even when it's something you really, really don't want to do, you'll know that what I'm saying is true. So I had a friend who was told she had high cholesterol and she immediately went vegan. And this is a friend who used to work in a steakhouse. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) she really, yeah, you know, and she just did it. Okay, so self-discipline is this concept where I believe you can use it to get motivated, to drive harder and achieve the things that you thought you were capable of because you decided that you wanted it and you wanted it badly enough and knew strongly and intrinsically enough what having it would give you. And so you went after it, tunnel visioned, no matter what, blinkers on, off you went. Or Self-discipline can be considered as this self-whipping thing we do. (laughs) I whip my hair back and forth. No, where, you know, we use it to almost harm ourselves and punish ourselves out of a place of not feeling good enough or worthy enough or satisfied with our current results. So keep that in mind as we're going through this today and please try to use what I'm saying in this episode for good and not for evil. This is just a concept, a thought to think about, something to ponder And decide now or later how you feel about it, okay? So self-discipline doesn't have to be this taskmaster. It doesn't have to be the stick approach with ourselves. It can be done gently and kindly and with love. And the way that this has showed up for me in my life uh, is in my 20s, I used the stick approach, definitely. And when it came to dieting and exercise, very specifically. So I would exercise in the morning when I went to the gym before work. I'd go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and it was often a punishment for the food I'd eaten the night before. I almost weaponized my workouts. And sure, there were elements of that that served me based on the fact that my workouts were intense and I would work out a lot harder. I once had one of Damien's colleagues, um, a PT, he was so ripped, like really took care of his, his food and he worked out for hours a day. I wish I had the time. Um, correction, I have the time. I don't prioritize that time. I'll just be very clear about that and above the line about that. Um, But he was unbelievably fit and he really took pride in looking after himself. And he said to me once, you work out like a demon. And it was one of the greatest compliments I think anybody has ever given me. (laughs) I was like, oh, thank you. Um, But working out hard has always felt great. And by hard, I mean intense. And after the workout, um, you know, it still felt good. But I also knew it, it was a punishment. And sometimes I would even let that be the excuse to eat what I wanted like that night, knowing that I was going to work out the next morning. Okay, so, you know, I took it to the extreme and this is not a demonstration of value. This is a reward punishment, reward punishment cycle, a vicious cycle that I was in for years and years. Also, the stick approach or the taskmaster is a very masculine energy. Now, when I say this, if you're rolling your eyes at me, the most feminine women can have a masculine energy. I've heard energy described as, you know, masculine is when things are leaving the body. For example, breathing out, doing a poo, pushing out a baby, burp, etc., And feminine energy is when things enter the body, when we eat, when we inhale. And I wanted to say make love, but I'm hesitant to say that or adhere to this definition 
considering some of the clients I've worked with and knowing very negative sexual experiences that they've had. So that's one theory on defining masculine and feminine energy. Whether you agree with that or not, you know, is something for you to think about. When I think of masculine and feminine energy, I think of masculine energy being quite dominant, not necessarily in a negative way, but in a powerful, proud, I'm here type of way. And this is why women can have masculine energy. I would say I have masculine energy. Feminine energy is nurturing, not weak and vulnerable, but caring, kind and strong. It's the lioness who looks out and takes care, but also drags the cubs back in line for their own protection and development, right? Feminine. As I've been evolving, what I've realized is that where my focus has been and what I've paid attention to hasn't always served me. I've been focused on how fat I felt or how negative things were or the lack in my life. And instead of shifting my focus to things that were positive, wins I was having um, to the things that were going well and being grateful, I was able to really step into that thankfulness and appreciation for all that I am and for this incredible body that I have that's enabled me to do so much for all that I I do have um, and for the life that I live, right? So... When I come from that place, a genuine, grateful place, I want to treat myself better. It's far easier. It's the carrot. When I treat myself better and I feel valuable and worthy and it comes from a place of abundance and resourcefulness, it works. It's a path of much less resistance instead of this punishing cycle that I had going on before. I see the same thing with most clients I work with. When they can begin to balance their masculine and feminine energy better and some may have varying degrees, but usually when clients begin working with me, their balance is way out of whack. When clients come to me, they're either pushing and punishing, usually in a very unresourceful masculine energy and their feminine is absent. So this is usual... And in this state, the feminine energy can't come in and nurture, which means if my client is a female, she's stressed, she's pushed and pulled in every direction. She's serving everybody else but herself or before herself. She's tired, she's run ragged and she's exhausted. She's holding it together, but she's on the brink and she knows it. And that's why she's seeing me. If my client is male... This looks like a lot of ego, nitpicking, self-centeredness. He often shows a lack of vulnerability. He can't be soft because he's usually viewing soft as a weakness, which means he's in an environment where he feels he needs to win. Soft will mean he's truly unable to connect with others on an emotional level. He'll railroad and because he's living in his head, not his heart, he's just driving forward, full force forward, Um, and, you know, everyone in his way, he'll just push right through or past. When he takes that home, it looks like disconnectedness with his partner, resentment, a distant relationship with his kids, and a lack of intimacy everywhere. Because while he may find sexual release, it's exactly that, a release, not a connection, not an emotional experience, but a way of exuding power and control. For me personally, this war was with my weight, my work, my finances, many areas of my life. 
there's been some sort of stick approach that I've always tried in my life. And if you know about the carrot and stick approach, it's a metaphor um, where if you haven't worked it out by now, (laughs) if you need a donkey to move, you can either hit them with a stick, which is not nice, or you can entice them with a carrot. So for coaches listening, this seeds into moving toward or moving away uh, motivation. So anything we want, we will move toward. As in we're incentivized and we're seeking pleasure, we'll move towards it. Or we will choose to move away from pain, negative feelings, things we don't want to experience. We'll move away. And we will always be moving one way or the other, toward or away. You personally will have a preference as well. So we all move away from pain and towards pleasure. But you will often have a preference because of the way that you view the world. And you will lean more towards chasing after things that you want or moving away from things you don't want. All the things that I used to do generally when in my masculine were away from pain. And when we're moving away from pain, typically that is rooted in scarcity and lack. Whereas when we're moving towards, it's from a place of abundance, sometimes enlightenment, and often for the outcome of a reward or an achievement. If we go back to using the gym as an example, for people who don't go or aren't in the habit of going to a gym, when you start going to a gym, you might find it really difficult to get in there. And this can be for many reasons. It's a multifaceted hurdle to overcome, like neurologically speaking. And if telling somebody, hey, just get in the gym worked, nobody would need a coach. A big reason I never used to want to get in the gym is that for the most part, being in the gym hurts physically. Exercising physically hurts. It feels difficult. It feels awkward in our bodies, especially when we're not in the habit of it. When we're not in the habit, it hurts that much more. So I ran up a flight of stairs the other day. I was in my heels that I wear to work. I was carrying my 18-month-old baby girl. And honestly, my body felt so heavy and so sluggish. It was so hard. But all the weights, cardio, the sweat, the planking, whatever it is that you're dreading in the gym, yeah, it hurts. At the very least, it's work. So when I had breaks from the gym, usually I'd been sick or injured. So getting back in there was like this dark, looming storm cloud. And a week or two after being back in the gym, I was loving it again and back in the swing of it. But that initial getting back in there after a break uh, was the last thing I wanted to do and so I would put it off. For anyone who exercises, you also know that you can be super, super, super fit and healthy and you can have worked up that tolerance and that muscle memory and whatever else you want to call it and then you take a break and it does not take long to lose it. I don't know whether that's just me, but oh wow, like it really is a commitment to keep going. And in a particular mindset, like getting into the gym and working out is optional. When I was doing it, it wasn't an option. Now I'm sort of like, it's an option. Guess what? I don't do it. So a lot of people don't go to the gym and exercise. And I had to really change that for myself. I had to treat the gym like a meeting at work. I would never show up late to a meeting at work, ever. Would rather just, no, I'm not even going to go into comparisons because I just never let it happen. But I had to hold myself to that same standard to get myself in the gym. I knew that at night I was way too tired. I was exhausted of an evening. Still am. I'm much more of a morning person. Got a lot of energy in the morning. Like I'm peak performance first thing in the morning. 
And when I did that around like creating the gym to be like a business meeting, a work meeting, it was a game changer and it made it that much easier. So getting back to moving away from or moving toward motivation, because the reward after we've been to the gym, as in immediately after, like when you're showering and you're a bit sore in a good way, you get all those endorphins or the dopamine, or even weeks later when you're starting to notice your musculature or your energy levels changing, or even the fact that you're not hating getting in the gym anymore, you've got to do the hard stuff first and then you get the reward. And it's the same as anything really. So find a way to do the hard things, the things you don't want to do. Motivate yourself towards or away, however it works best for you initially. Only you can judge which one is better for you. Just do whatever it takes to get started and then you can switch your motivation because the reward will come afterwards in the way of self-satisfaction, pride, endorphins, dopamine, just having that self like, yeah, I did it. You know, I actually did it depending on what it is. But a genuine internal great feeling will happen when you do the hard things that you don't want to do and you commit and you see it through and you finish it. That is something that no one can take away from you because you gave it to you. It's an energy. It's not a thing. Yes, a gym workout is a thing, but the feelings you get from that, they're intangible. You gave them to you. It does take time to build up that mental fortitude and it takes suspending disbelief long enough or having faith that you'll see it through for yourself to just take those first initial steps. It takes almost reassuring your brain ahead of time that if you do the hard thing, you will get that reward. You will feel good. You will feel proud. You will grow and change and love yourself in a way that you didn't before. Which is why when you think about valuing yourself and considering yourself worthy enough to look after yourself and to nurture and treat yourself well, there's less resistance. Getting in the gym, doing that workout, sticking to the hard thing or that thing that you, know, you may have been a little bit unmotivated to do initially is that much simpler and less emotional because it comes from a place of honoring yourself and deeming yourself worthy enough to stick to what you said and see it through. To honor your commitment to yourself, stick to your word and have authenticity within that. I always said I would never do a triathlon. I used to watch it on the TV occasionally like when I was a child. And I remember thinking who in their right mind would ever put runners on sandy feet and then go and do a run. I just, nah. There was nothing less appealing to me. And a few years ago before I had Parker, I did one. It was a mini one, but I trained, I committed and I did it and I loved it. When you do that, when you honor that commitment to yourself and you have the self-discipline to see it through, even when it's something you don't want to do, or especially actually when it's something you don't want to do, you'll start burning that Ikoya candle you were gifted for Christmas you'll start using that fancy body butter that costs more than you would pay for it because you're worthy. You'll start taking pride in what you wear, how you look and how you present to the world. You might start wearing your fancy work shoes or your belt or your scarf. Everything shifts when you decide you're worth looking after. I have a friend, well, I had a friend. We're not friends anymore, unfortunately, 
She's just amazing. This is one of those friendships that faded over time. It makes me sad, but, you know, that's just life sometimes. But Jacinta has been a dancer her whole life and she's absolutely incredible, not only at dancing, but as a human. She's just unbelievably positive, driven, determined. She's incredible. And over the time I've known her or have been connected to her in some way, I've watched her transition and transform from strength to strength as she discovers more and more about who she is and and who she wants to be. For those who know her, we can see her level of honouring herself and the person she wants to be and who she truly is. She just has blossomed and she's levelled up and levelled up and levelled up. And I think from other people's perspectives, from outside perspectives, it's really easy to see someone like Jacinta on social media or in life And use that to beat up on themselves and also feel like they don't measure up. But I'd like to offer that those changes for most people are incremental. When you meet somebody that's amazing and confident, as Jacinta is, that didn't happen overnight. That didn't happen in the space of 24 hours. It's taken dedication, commitment, ongoing work, And many times, many, many times when I'm sure she didn't feel like getting in the gym, but she did anyway. And where she didn't feel happy or energetic or strong and she got in the gym anyway. And the result of that is what we see now, what we see today. An incredible body, like she's ripped as. She looks after herself. She's confident. She's extremely lean. And the confidence she has because of the work she's put in and what she's been through emotionally and committing to herself despite not wanting to do it in that moment at that time. She's done the work. The confidence has grown as her dedication and commitment and her self-discipline has. The confidence is often secondary. It takes courage for us to take that initial action. It takes faith and determination. Confidence comes after we have evidence of our success no matter how minor it may be one day at a time from a place of self-love and valuing who we are now not who we are when we are that person we dream of being but who we are now and deeming ourselves worthy to ourselves now when people see Jacinta from an outside perspective and like I said they can you know use it to beat up on themselves sometimes that comes out as people beating up on her which I've experienced in the time that I've known her but also it enhances the things that we feel we lack her ability to stand confident in who she is in the body that she has because of the emotional highs and lows that she's been through and the things that she has committed to within herself to stick to her own word and to be self-disciplined, which has improved her self-worth, that around people that don't feel that they have that level of self-worth and self-discipline, that is often when that disconnect happens and that's when people beat up on themselves because her mere presence will highlight that other person's lack. On the flip side, if you have great self-worth and then you are with somebody else that has great self-worth, then the conversation rolls back around to what is normal and what is habitual and 
it, it's not emotional. It's not even a thing. It's just normal. So if you want to be somebody that has that level of self-worthiness and that confidence level that goes with that, it starts with self-discipline. It starts with your ability to say, this is what I want, and then creating an action plan for you to get it. As I said, confidence comes after we have evidence. So make it courage, make it risk, make it whatever emotion or word you need to put in there to actually take those initial steps to make it happen. Commitment, whatever you need it to be. So a few questions for you. What are you not having that you want to have? Is it a ripped body? Weight loss? Is it a relationship? Is it kids? Is it the high-flying career? Is it your own business? Is it financial freedom? What is it for you? My second question is what do you need to do to have those things? What are you not doing right now? that you need to change and you need to do and you need to commit to consistently to get the thing that you want to have. And the third part of this is who do you need to be? If you think about your version of Jacinta, a person like Jacinta, what feelings do they feel on a daily basis that you don't feel and that you want? What do you need to have more feelings of or what are those feelings that you think you'll have once you've achieved what it is you want to achieve and you have what you want to have? Because the B is the, the linchpin. The, who you are being is the thing that needs to shift and can shift right now. The have and the do, the do can happen right now or it can start to happen but that's going to take a longer commitment. That's going to take time. The have will come eventually, but it's the being. Who are you being right now that is or isn't getting you what you want to get? Do you need to be the carrot or the stick with yourself? Me, gym, stick, 100%. Get in the gym, whack. And then eventually when I was fit enough, then it was carrot. Oh, I just need to move my body and feel good. Carrot. Oh, you've been lazy. You've been eating terribly. Get in the gym, stick, right? So are you currently being the carrot or the stick? If you're being the stick and you were to use the carrot instead and move towards pleasure and do it with more ease and self-love, valuing who you are truthfully and without apology, what would you demonstrate more of to the world? Because it's who you are being today in every moment that gives you what you want and moves you towards tomorrow. I'll look forward to seeing you next week, my friends. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.